in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today we're in our final week of Daniel, week 16 of our Daniel study, and we're going to conclude with the start starting at the midpoint of the seven-year tribulation and then end with the thousand-year reign, the entrance of the thousand-year reign. If you remember, uh, last few weeks, uh, I, I told you that most theologians believe that chapters 10, 11, and 12 should be one big, long chapter, but in the chapter divisions, this is the way they did it. So uh, we're going to start off with um, Daniel 12, verse 1. It says, At that time shall, uh, shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge over your people. Remember, so this is an angel talking to Daniel, and he says, you know, Michael's the angel in charge, or the great prince, which is an angel in charge of your people, people Israel. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never been seen there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. So the, the time referred to is the midpoint of the tribulation, where things take a turn for the worse. The Antichrist turns on Israel. Remember, he signs a um, peace treaty with Israel so they can rebuild the temple and reinstitute worship. And now what happens is the Antichrist turns on them at the midpoint, and he demands Israel to worship him. And he starts to persecute the, the uh, Israelites that will not worship him, and also the Gentiles as well. Now, Michael is the angel in charge of, the, of spiritually protecting Israel, but now the next three and a half years of the tribulation is when things get extra terrible. They were kind of like, eh, before, but now this is the time like no other time has been ever seen in the world. But at the end of that time, when Israel is delivered, because the majority will turn to Jesus. So then it goes on to say, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Now this verse is describing the end of when, when Christ comes back for his second coming, and then it's describing those who died during the tribulation. Some were martyred for their trust in Christ, and others that are not believers died and will fully realize their eternal destiny because they haven't trusted in Christ. Eternal, everlasting contempt. And then it says this, And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So this is speaking about those who believe and those who are obedient and serve the Lord will be rewarded for their work during the millennial reign. Now, you probably heard me talk about this when I talk about it in times. During the millennial reign, basically what's going to happen is Christ is going to rule and we're going to rule with him. So our rewards will be seen as responsibilities during that rule. So basically, this is a reference to those rewards that God will give us. So some of us will be in charge of areas. Some of us will have high ranks in these areas, but they're rewards for serving the Lord. That's where, you know, that one verse where it's he who is faithful with little will be given much. Most people apply that like, oh, if I got $20 and I'm faithful with it, God's going to give me $200. That's not really the direct application. The direct application is when you're faithful with little, what's on this earth with your life, God will give you much. He'll give you rewards and areas to serve. 
and responsibilities. And some of you are thinking like, well, you know, responsibilities don't seem like a reward to me. It just seems like extra headache. But responsibilities in Christ's reign will actually be a reward. Because if you realize this, and you probably have, you realize that before the fall, we were actually created to work. Okay, that's why when you stop working, you start to have like kind of like a conflict, right? You're like, what do I do with myself? You start to think like, what do I do with my life? And many of you say like, okay, well now I'm going to use my time to do this, that, and the other thing. I'm going to work for the Lord. I'm going to serve him in a greater way. So the rewards are those things during the millennial reign of Christ. So later on in that passage, we're going to learn about these judgments and how these things kind of unfold a little bit. So then we go to verse 4. It says, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Now, technically speaking, technically speaking, the biblical end times are literally from the first time Jesus came to his second coming. So if anybody asks you, do you think we're living in the end times? The answer is always yes, we are, because we're in between Christ's first and second coming. But interestingly enough, this is a really cool prophecy of what events will proceed the very end. And now as we look, we can see Things are really ramping up. So he says to Daniel, shut up these words and seal the book. It doesn't mean keep them from people. It means basically seal up the prophecy. This is the prophecy that's going to happen. You put it aside now, Daniel, and live your life. But here's what he says. Until the time of the end, it's not that Daniel is going to be there and necessarily open it up. But it says this. Many shall run to and fro. Knowledge shall increase. So a lot, a lot of theologians believe this is kind of like a little hint of prophecy of what things will happen before the actual second coming, before the rapture, before the end actually comes. So now, obviously, no one knows the day or hour that Christ is coming. That's what Jesus said. He said, no one knows the day or hour. So don't, like, if anybody starts saying, like, it's going to be May 25th, just don't even listen to him, because the, the truth is no one knows the day or hour. But we do see a few things actually happening that kind of ramp up to show us, like, you know, the time has really got to be near, right? So let's look at a couple of things. Many shall run to and fro. The time of the end. First is increased travel. Many shall run to and fro. Do you realize, I'm just going to give you a little bit of history on, like, transportation. Now, the steam engine was invented in 1776 by James Watt. The steam-powered ships and trains. People started to travel a little bit faster, a little bit more. The gas engine was invented in 1885, which led to the early 1900s and the availability of cars to the general public, okay? Now we have a parking lot full of cars, and we go, what, to and fro much quicker. The Wright brothers' first flight was 1903, which led to the first passenger flight in 1914. Now, think about this. Think about this. The first flight was just over 100 years ago. The first passenger flight was just over 100 years ago. You think about the grand scope of time. Daniel, 3,500 years before this happened, all of a sudden now it's like, okay, everybody's not traveling, not traveling, not traveling, not traveling. Boom. In 1961, the first man was shuttled to space. Now, fast forward to today. 
79 million vehicles are produced per year worldwide. Think about that. Everybody's traveling. 125,000 commercial flights per day. I mean, I'm sorry, that was 79 million vehicles per year. I'm sorry. Um, 125,000 commercial flights per day worldwide. Do you think people are traveling to and fro pretty quickly? Think about this. Billionaires are taking joy rides to space. <laughs> think about this. Now, back before all this, you could never work 60 miles away from your house and come home every evening, could you? You, could, you couldn't go on a week-long vacation to another country. You couldn't watch William Shatner actually go to space. And incidentally, that was just as boring as Star Trek, right? <laughs> so here, here's the thing. You know, if you had a job, people would be like, where do you work? You'd be like, right there. <laughs> you know, right close to my house where I could walk or ride my horse. And when you really think about the magnitude of what the last 100 to 200 years has brought mankind, this many shall travel. I'm not saying that it's going to happen maybe if, even in my lifetime, but what I am saying is it just kind of shows things are really ramping up. Let's take the next thing, technology, Techno technological advances. Knowledge shall increase. Technological growth, a conservative estimate is technology doubles every 18 months. Technology doubles every 18 months. Think about this. Some of you remember your first TV. We have some people in here that remember your first TV. I remember when we hit, my grandpa, he, he liked to always bless us with gifts, and, and I remember he bought us a couple of TVs, and, uh, and well, actually, my brother got his first because he was a little older, and his was color, and mine was black and white, right? So he would be like, hey, Michael, what color is Arnold's shirt on different strokes? I'd be like, ah, oh, my brother with the color TV. Some of you remember this stuff, right? You remember when you got your first VCR. You remember that. You remember when you didn't have a remote control and you were sitting on the floor and your dad's like, change the channel, right? You remember all this stuff. You remember your first microwave. You cooked everything in it until you realized nothing in it tasted well, good, right? You remember get the internet for the first time. I remember 1995, my friend in college, he was like, yo, Mike, he's like, come down to the computer lab. We're going to go on the internet. I was like, the internet? Like, I don't want to be like talking to people. Like, you know, it was a weird thing, right? You remember your first cell phone. Remember, you know, I got 30 minutes, you know, on my 30-minute plan on my cell phone. You remember all this stuff. Medical research has allowed us to cure diseases that 100 years ago people would die from. Think about the technology. Think about the transportation and the technological boom. It literally has been unmatched over the course of history. See, knowing all that, knowing all that, makes us realize, right, it's ramping up. It's ramping up. And like I always say, you know what? We're one day closer, aren't we? We're one day closer. No one knows the day or hour, but it seems like things are just ramping up. Now, let's just get back to the passage. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on the bank of the stream and one on the bank of the, the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? Now remember, this vision started in the beginning of chapter 10, which, which we dealt with two weeks ago, and we realized there was an unnamed angel. Possibly there were multiple angels. 
So here we have two angels, and then the man clothed in linen, most believe is, is Christ, because remember, he appeared there early on in, in chapter 10, which is the pre-incarnate Christ. So one angel asks, how long, how long shall it be? Well, the good news is, is Jesus answered. The bad news for you that's wondering and wants the time and date, he doesn't give you the exact date, right? So Jesus answers here and says, I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and a half a time. And when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. So now Jesus says, okay, because this is at the midpoint of the tribulation, the angel must have been asking how long until this, this tribulation is broken. So Jesus says three and a half years, time, time, and a half a time. That's the last portion of the tribulation. The, some call it the seven years of tribulation, but then the last portion of the tribulation, the great tribulation, because it gets real. And then the power of the Antichrist, the, the, the power that the Antichrist has over Israel will be broken or will be shattered. So then Daniel pipes up, I heard, but I did not understand. And I said, oh, my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. So Daniel, understandably so, is a, a bit confused. He's a bit confused. Jesus comforts Daniel with a few things. And the first is he, he's telling Daniel, keep doing what you're doing. He says, go your way, Daniel. Keep doing what you're doing. Now, we studied Daniel for the past 15 weeks. We studied the whole entire book. What do we know that's true about Daniel? He's a faithful, godly man. So, so the Lord is saying to Daniel, listen, Daniel, keep doing what you're doing. Keep being faithful. Keep your eyes fixed on me. Keep listening. Keep obeying. Second, Jesus tells Daniel, this is about the end. This is about the end. Know that this is going to happen, but do not be worried. I have a plan. These words are shut up and sealed till the end of time. He, Jesus is saying, hey, listen, here's some words of comfort for you, Daniel. This is about the time of the end. This is going to happen. One of the things about, for us, the study of end time is knowing, hey, you know what? The Lord has a plan. So next, he says this. In verse 10, many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. Now, third, in this passage, Jesus says, those that purify themselves are going to be fine. Those that trust in the Lord are going to be fine. Those that choose sin will not accept these prophecies. Okay, The wicked are going to continually act wickedly. Their wickedness will keep them in confusion. See, the truth is, there's, there's a big spiritual battle going on. We talked about spiritual warfare and stuff, but part of the reason why people won't accept what the scriptures say is their sin. Their sin is in the way of them actually trusting in God, but not only that, actually accepting what he has said. 
So that keeps them in the skeptics reign. They're skeptical. They're like, I don't know about this stuff. I'm, I'm skeptical about that. And you might know people like that. You might have people in your life that are like that, that you've tried to talk to, and they're just like, eh, I'm not listening to that. And, and, and here's what I suggest. You don't keep pushing the issue with them. What you do is you keep going to the Lord on their behalf. You don't keep pushing the issue. You go to the Lord because it says many shall purify themselves. Many are going to trust. Many are going to trust. Now, in the next verse, Jesus gives a little more detail of the tribulation and right after. And this is what it says. And from that time that the regular burnt offering is taken away. So this is the midpoint of the tribulation. And the abomination that makes desolate is set up. That's Christ rising. Or, excuse me. The Antichrist rising up, making himself into a God and saying, worship me. There shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at 1,335 days. Uh, okay, more numbers here. What do we do with these? Okay, so the time of regular burnt offering is taken away at the midpoint of the tribulation when the Antichrist turns on Israel. So there's two issues here. There's 1,290 days. That's actually an extra 30 days more than 1,260 days, which is the three and a half years, the time, time, and half a time. So what are the extra 30 days for? What, are the, what do we need these extra 30 days for? Why does Jesus say there's an extra 30 days? Now, many theologians, now this is just, you know, conjecture. You know, there's, no, there's, there's nothing else in the scripture that we can say, okay, this is definitely it. But many theologians believe that this is possibly true believe that it's a time when the people are judged at the end of the tribulation before the millennial reign. So there's a 30-day period of judgment before Christ reigns on this earth for a thousand years. Well, now we have to ask, who are those people? Now, these are the Jews and Gentiles alive at the end of the tribulation. Remember, Jesus's physical return is at the end of the seven-year tribulation. But then we have to ask, what about those extra 45 days, 1,335? There's an extra 45 days now tacked on. Now, those may be used to structure the government of the thousand-year reign of Christ. Remember the rewards that I spoke about before? The rewards of believers are responsibilities of the believers that will be during that thousand-year reign. So that 45 days could be the, uh, the, the time that there is this structuring. Okay, God handing out the rewards and the responsibilities for those 45 days. So these extra 75 days are, again, speculation because it's the only mention. It's the only mention. So when there's the only mention, you can only speculate. But there again, we could also note, too, that, you know, when we go through all these end times things, this is just like minutia in the whole grand scheme of things. So here's kind of what that looks like. This is just a printout from my commentary that I've been studying. First half of the tribulation, 1260 days. Second half of the tribulation, 1260 days. Christ actually coming to the earth. And then the 30 days of judgment, 45 days of handing out the rewards and responsibilities and structuring the thousand year reign of Christ. So now we come to our last verse of the whole entire book of Daniel. Congratulations, you made it. We studied through. Congratulations. I know that some weeks were tougher than others. I feel that it was a blessing to me. Hopefully it was a blessing to you. So he says this. Christ says this to Daniel. But go your way till the end. 
and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of days. Now, we're at the end. And as I studied these last six verses, the thought really occurred to me. We're kind of like Daniel, aren't we? We're kind of like Daniel when it comes to end times events. Granted, we do know more because we have the New Testament, namely Revelation. Now, Daniel didn't have that. Daniel couldn't be like, oh, yeah, and in the book of Revelation, this all makes sense now. So we study Daniel, and then we look at Revelation, and we're like, okay, Revelation fills in the gaps. So there's so much more that we can understand, but there's still so much that we don't understand, that we don't understand. So I feel in these last six verses, we can kind of take out some things. What our response should be to the end times. So I'm going to call this our response to the end times events. The first thing we need to do is trust the gospel. Remember, Jesus says to Daniel, many will purify themselves. He was telling Daniel that many Israelites and Gentiles will come to faith in him. Those that don't will look on these things as foolishness. So the first things first, you need to have a relationship with the Lord if you don't already. If you're not trusting in Jesus, that he died on the cross to pay the price for your sins, that he rose from the grave to prove that he is God, and the scriptures say that all who believe will have eternal life, will be purified of our sins. That's the first step. The first step is you need to be a believer in Christ. I know many of you are, but you know what? Some people come here and, you know, they, they're like, oh, you know what? I, I think I'm a Christian. I, I, you know, I go to church or I like church or like, you know, I, I know there's a God. Well, the truth is you have to trust the truth about who God is and what he's done. His name is Jesus. He died on the cross to pay the price for your sins. You know what? Some unbelievers will hear about the end times events and think it's foolishness. They're going to think it's foolishness. Me personally, when I engage with unbelievers about issues like this, if they have questions about end times, great. You know, I engage with them. But, you know, this is usually not my leading thing in evangelism. I'm like, hey, listen, you know what I'm waiting for? The rapture. That's when I get sucked up into heaven and you're here by yourself. I don't lead with that, okay? I, you know, I try to be wise about how I speak with people. So some will hear and trust in Jesus, and some, sadly, will live through the tribulation, but thankfully will trust in Jesus during that time. It's going to be a tough time. If Jesus comes and raptures us and the, and the tribulation starts, it's going to be very difficult for the people that are on this earth. Some will live through it and reject it. Some will live through it and still reject. They'll shake their fists at God. The next thing is this, trust that God has a plan that will be fulfilled. When Jesus told Daniel, shut this up, for this is the time of the end, it's almost as if Jesus is saying, Daniel, you know what, don't worry, I got this, okay, I got this whole thing. It is comforting to know that God ultimately has a plan that works out for those that trust him, and not only that, that for every person that walks on the earth has ample opportunity to trust in Jesus. Let me just say that again. Every person that walks on this earth has ample opportunity to trust in Jesus because he's not willing that any should perish. He's not willing that he, he loves us. And that's why you see things like, you know, in certain countries, 
Bibles are illegal. Well, why do you think that is? Because Satan and his demons don't want them to trust in Jesus. Oh, let's keep the word from them. That's why people will say, oh, that's not, you know, you can't really believe that that's God's holy word. Let's cast some doubt here. Why? So people don't trust. So they, there's some, some, you know, doubt cast on who Christ is. So trust, you know what? God has a plan and it's going to be fulfilled. As a believer, don't get overly concerned with the end time things. Just don't get overly concerned. Just trust. You know what? God is faithful. He has a plan. The third thing is keep being faithful. He tells Daniel, go your way. As we look at the life of Daniel, he is an example and a role model of faith. He's a, he, I mean, if, you, if you're wondering, like, okay, how can I be a godly person? Obviously, we look at the example of Christ. But, you know, just deep down inside, a lot of times it's like, man, but he's Jesus. I mean, of course he's going to be perfect, right? So then we look for godly examples in other people. And Daniel was that man. I mean, when you look at Daniel, he was that guy that was faithful. So he says, Daniel, go your way. Keep being faithful. If there are things that we do not understand or don't like about the end times events, that should not impact our faithfulness to God. We are called to be faithful to God, so we obey him, so we serve him, so we worship him, so we tell others about him. And finally, rest, find rest in our place in these prophecies. He says to Daniel, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. So he's saying, Daniel, you know, I got a plan for you. You're going to be there. You're going to be ruling with me. You're going to be there. Jesus is telling Daniel, you'll be standing with me. You find rest. Jesus is telling us, when you trust me, at the end, you will be standing with me because I am the faithful God.